You've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin, Andy, and Wyatt. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker, one story at a time. I'm Calvin. I've seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt. I've also seen a lot of Star Wars, although I think Calvin has pulled ahead of me in the overall tally again if he's watched this week's Andor. Oh, yeah. Wow. You are you really are always behind on Andor. Yep. Because you're being you have someone to watch it with. I'm not, you know. Yeah, no, but it's it. in our in our race to consume all of Star Wars. Calvin is beating me. I do usually hit it um morning of. So. But yeah. we, of course, have a third co-host. Sorry, um, my mom is calling me. I was like, Oop. girl, girl, I'm recording the podcast. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hi, my name is Andy. I have seen an adequate amount of Star of, I almost said Starbucks, guys. Uh, I've seen an ad- adequate amount of Star Wars. And now it'd be really week, weird if you said Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Ooh, guys, I was kind of a Trekkie back in the day, but that's <laughs> that, another life. So, what up? We watched Andor this week. We watched, yeah. This week we watched Andor Season 1, Episodes 4, 5, and 6 Aldani, The Axe Forgets, and The Eye. Okay, so here's the deal with D&D classes. So many of them are magic related, and I'm realizing that it's hard to be like, and this person would be this class, this magic related class, when it's like, when they're not a Jedi. That was easier with Rebels. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. So I'm trying to think of like a character that fits with a D&D class with Andor, and it's tough. I'm struggling. I think that maybe like that girl, Val, would be a monk. But I don't even think that's true. (laughs) Like I was thinking about it and I was like, that makes no fucking sense. Mm. The characters (laughs) in this, the characters in this three parter almost fit better with like the alignments from D&D rather than the classes. Yes. Yes. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Skeen, chaotic neutral or chaotic evil. Like you could, you could argue him. You got, you got, uh, what is Namek is. He can't be lawful good because he's overthrowing. He's trying to overthrow the government. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's like, can you be true good? Y- yeah, he's a true good. Neutral good? I mean. I honestly, I, in my D&D games, we don't really use the alignments to mean yeah. all that much. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't pick an alignment and then play that. Well, ultimately, with like strict rules. Yeah, ultimately, I feel like they don't actually mean anything. They are just sort of a way of like describing your character easily to other people of being like, this is the vibe, but it's not something that you should ever really be married to personally because alignments. It's also like people change. So I honestly feel like characters yeah. alignments change. Yeah, I honestly you think learn they're... more information about them and that, you know, proves says that they are something different all along. Than what they're you thought good. They were, yeah. yeah, they're good to use, I think, in like conceptualizing a story arc where I mean, even in Andor, we're watching we are watching Andor go from what is he? He's definitely neutral at the beginning of the show 
to... I would say he is neutral evil because how evil is described, at least to, in me, in my mind, is like there is... So good would be like putting others before yourself and evil is putting yourself before others. And that is what I would say Andor yeah. is. So Andor starts neutral evil and is going to chaotic good. <laughs> yeah, like and honestly. That's, and that's sort of what we see in these, the beginning Spoilers. of in these episodes. Ah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I guess that's the, that's the bit this time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll do better next time, We're I suppose. We're sad after Oh, actually, episodes. yeah, that's true. I feel like that guy could be an artificer. That guy. What's the fuck's his name? Skin, skin. Not Nemec? Skeen. Nemec? No, the guy Lieutenant who- Lieutenant Gorn. The guy who, like, ropes Andor into all this. Tamara? What the fuck's oh, that guy's Luthen. Name? Oh, Luthen. Luthen. Yes. Stellan Stel- 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 yes. card. Yes, I was literally like the guy. I feel like he could be an artificer because he has his little museum. Yeah, but... and he's got that old radio his he uses to listen. Yeah. Star Wars Easter eggs. <laughs> Did you see his literally fucking enormous holocrons? Like he had a he had a holocron that was like this big. <laughs> it was uh, I I enjoy you know, when they try to translate stuff to live action. <laughs> you know what? Anyway, I bet he's compensating for something. Compensating um, for his, uh, his <laughs> growing rebellion. Yeah. So yeah, these, these episodes they they were about um, the heist on Aldani and or meets. Uh, Andor goes undercover as a mercenary named Clem, uh, and he meets the heist team, Vel, Sinta, Tamarin, Skeen, Nimic, and Lieutenant Gorn. They, um, you know, they all have their, their, their stuff against the Empire. They go and rob some money from the Empire, and um, needless to say, that plane goes off without a hitch. So, um, <laughs> meanwhile, over on Coruscant, Luthen is having his fingers in pies, trying to get some money from Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma is trying to secretly, you know, start a rebellion. And really needs to get divorced. And really needs, yeah. Literally, oh my god, stressing me out over here. This is really a going like, like two for two on shitty husbands and Andor. Yeah, first we had Todd, and then now we've got. Uh, oh my god, I hate Todd. Guys, <laughs> his name is Tim. <laughs> that makes it honestly the fact that his name is Tim makes me want to call him Todd more. Yeah, um, like if his name was like Bim or something, I I would be like, okay, I'll go back to the Star Wars. But it's just a normal human person name. <laughs> <laughs> with just one letter added exactly one um and also we meet uh uh I, lieutenant i think she's a lieutenant deirdre miro of the isb the imperial security bureau yes corporal and, girl boss um demon twink gets fired and gets a new job <laughs> yes him him suffering and eating cereal every like 20 minutes that we would check in on him was so funny to me i just i laughed every time he was on screen it's just yeah it's just the i want that twink his obliterated mom. tweet but just he, him getting bullied by his mother his mom was my favorite it just it was the only scenes where i didn't i didn't really get what they were trying to say beyond his life sucks like the the mom said so much and 
it seemed to mean so little. Which is funny because the rest of the episodes were very dialogue light and very meaning heavy. They looked like, wait, hold on. I just want to talk about this. I'm actually, hold on, hold on. Let me fucking, let me fucking copy this image and try and like drop it in the chat. I don't even know if I can do that. I don't even know. Okay, this, this cereal, this version of tricks, that is the, I swear to God, that's the cereal he was eating. <laughs> he like pulled out one of the, the pieces and I was like, that's just the fucking tricks swirls. Did you see oh, them? Oh yeah. Wait, it's no, like the literal actual the, cereal. Yeah. Wow. Um, silly, anyway. um. Silly fascist tricks are for kids. Tricks are for kids. Exactly. <laughs> um, Yo, he's wild. I hate him. So. So yeah. Let's talk. Let's let's yeah, vibe. What, what, what do we want to talk about first? Yeah, and it's. I feel like even more than the last two, which were obviously a three-parter. These are like this is just one ongoing story that builds the tension up. Yeah. So basically, Demon Twink got fired from his fucking job and then went home. Yeah. I loved it when that guy was like, can I ask a question? And Blavin was like, no, because yeah. the Scottish one. Yeah, I yeah, I love that that guy. I like that both the true believers got fired, which I think is funny, mm -hmm. especially because the Empire then takes over to do pretty much the exact same thing, except better. I also do appreciate that the their terrible like commander guy who wanted him to shove it under the rug anyway, he also got fired. Yeah, because as the guy said, they were the, you know, kind of three pillars of how that went down. The ineptitude of the Scottish guy, the um, lack of oversight with the supervisor and Cyril himself for being a little bit too headstrong there. But yeah, I mean, not much happens with the serial demon. He he really just serial serial serial. I can't even say yeah. that. Say that Cereal Karn. Cereal Karn, yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> it's it's funny because he's milk toast. He's yeah. Man, we're just coming for his entire life. Just yeah. like his mom. I really <laughs> like his, liked he his up mom. And his mom's like, you How, suck. And I will the, give you an the door smack across the face. I loved it because I was like, wow, they really were like, and now we're just putting your classic Italian mother into the middle of Star Wars. And I was like, OK, perfect. Um, this woman could be a part of my family. Yeah, there's, there's a <laughs> couple bits of it where I feel like it's almost a little bit like they needed to put a little bit more spacey vibes on. Yeah. stuff. Although I really like horrible concrete Coruscant. Yeah. Like to show because the Empire has is tearing down what's left of the Republic. So the like art deco Coruscant of the prequels is going, going, gone. So I, I don't even like it. It's important that it looks different. And I really like the design. It's giving like brutalism. Yeah. Which is appropriate, I think, for, you know, kind of who the the Empire is. And just the oppressiveness of like how it yeah. feels to for the civilians. It's less even about the like the ISB conference room is a little different from usual imperial aesthetics, but looks cool. Yeah. But it's uh, to me, it's mostly the uh, like the other stuff we see. Although 
Mon Mothma, at least, still has her slick roadster. Yeah. Her, like, cool-ass speeder from the Republic days. Yeah. Speaking of the ISB, we meet Deirdre Miro, and she's talking to... She goes to a meeting with Supervisor Pargaz. Highburn in Game of Thrones. I can't unsee that ever. Well, um, one of the Imperials is the uh, the reactor engineer from Chernobyl, which I can't unsee. The guy, the skinny guy with the mustache. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. Um, we talked about that last time. Yeah. Yeah. We tagged you in a Twitter post. Charles pointed out that they were both cast by Nina Gold. So so the girl, that's the blonde chick, right? Yeah. yeah. Dead yeah, she's interesting. She's interesting. I'm kind of just like, what the fuck is going on when she's on screen? Like, I get this. I, I, it's almost like I understand what's happening. Like, I understand that she's about to find something that is going to fuck everything up for the rebellion. Yeah. More importantly, I think, is that she is shown to be the only one looking. Yeah. yeah. She's looking for connections. She's looking for, she's essentially, but she doesn't know it. She's looking for Fulcrum. She's looking for Bail Organa. She's, she's sort of jumping at shadows. She thinks there's about to be an, an organized rebellion or at least just like patterns and nobody believes her. Yeah. And I think it was an interesting depiction of the ISB in sort of quote peacetime for the empire where nobody's fighting them except when they go to subjugate somewhere. So like they're used to putting down resistance on planets where they show up and like, hey, we're the empire. Everything belongs to us now. But they don't have any real experience with with people striking at them. So it was a cool thing to see, like, everybody's just like, this is my sector, and they're essentially doing office politics against each other. Yeah, yes, exactly. That that was the thing, is it had such a different vibe, I feel like, from the rest of what's going on, because it was, yeah, it was so politicky, more so than whatever the fuck is going on with Mon Mothma. If I can be honest, like, I... I am not actually that invested in the plot with Mon Mothma. I don't think it's that good right now. Um, I'm hoping it gets better. But this plot is, is I think, the best, like, non-Andor yeah. plot out of everything Mon- that's going on. The Mon Mothma stuff, to me, feels like the slowest burn for what is, I assume, going to be a hell of a payoff. I hope so. Because Yeah, I may have just, also been hyping Mon Mothma up a little bit too much. It's just a little... Well, so it's she's great. Genevieve O'Reilly kills it. Yes, like the acting yeah. is superb. And I'm I'm excited for her to get this spotlight. But I want to be a little more further down the line because she talks about uh, like bringing somebody into the circle of trust and the amount of people that know about what her and Luthen are doing. And that is very small. Like, but the I'm, thing. Yeah, I can't, yeah tell, I can't tell if it includes Bail Organa. My thing is that she 90 per, like we saw her with Luthen literally once, right? Like that in that very beginning. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, we ha- see her at her fucking like dining room table with her family. And it is very much a like domestic drama about like the the subtext and like deep interpersonal relationships and like the silent wars that go on between families. And while that's all good and interesting, and I definitely think there's going to be political, you know, like, like the husband is hanging out with her political enemies. And like, that's a big problem. Her daughter doesn't want her involved in her life. Like they're, her family is essentially turning on her when she is their 
sole provider. Like, it doesn't seem like her, her husband seems like a trophy husband. He doesn't oh, yeah. seem like he does any he, work or anything. He is enjoying the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I'm guessing, like what I'm predicting is going to happen is he is going to do something to royally fuck her over. He is going to either like cheat on her with a political enemy or he is going to give, more likely he's going to give secrets away and fuck her over. And what I'm hoping happens is that she girl bosses and she's like, fuck you. I'm kicking you out. I'm kicking the kids out. My success is my success, and I'm gonna overthrow the government, and they're thrown out. But that that does not seem like as satisfying as it would be because I now just like fucking hate this husband. It's so like, what does this have to do with anything? Like literally, I don't care about Mon Mothma having marital issues at the end of the day. Like if this were a play that I was going to go see, if this was like a really cool like like i like i literally could see this being like a edgy new play that i'm going to see and it's the vibes are just so different from like the literal rebellion that's happening um yeah there is so, so yeah. i was trying to the problem is, is i've seen another episode where there's some more mon mothma stuff so i was trying to place exactly what happens where it gets i think a little more interesting in the next episode yes in the sort of like one off that they're we were talking very about. much giving like the meat of what happens in these three episodes over to Andor and what's happening on Aldani. Um, while also, you know, they've been yeah. advertising Mon Mothma and a big Mon Mothma plot for this season. But I, I will already, say... I, so they had to at least have the Genevieve O'Reilly in there without having had her at all in episodes one, two, three. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked her scene with Luthen, though, just as an illustration of the double act that I think that she... That just that that they both do because we got that scene with Luthen where he sort of puts on his persona and pretends to smile and like is is yeah. like it is becoming another person and then once and they then successfully hit the back of the shop all of their double talk in the front of the shop and like trying to ditch imperial surveillance that i i i like that as like as even though we see the ISB back to Dejamero we see they haven't made the leap yet the Empire's power is still vast and mm -hmm. they are using it on people they consider to be threats. Yeah. So Mon Mothma's life sucks for many reasons is sort of I think the the point here is that everything's awful for her and she's still trying to do she's still working on something um, with Luthen. But there are more interesting scenes comes next time on our podcast. But yeah, I will. I, I liked it better after what we've seen uh in a couple weeks but i agree yeah. it's it's it does feel the most like okay this feels like even though it like tonally like in terms of the seriousness and understatedness of a lot of andor it fits in the show but i'm like i'm with you or we've got andor dealing with like incredibly tense and stressful rebel dynamics planning a heist and we've got Dedra Mero doing this sort of detective thing. And then the other two with with Serial Karn and Mon Mothma kind of feel like, OK, clearly this is going to mean something, but it it means nothing in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's. And it's interesting, like, I don't want to say that I don't like it and I don't enjoy it, but it's just one of those things that I'm like. 
ultimately, I don't feel that compelled at the moment. Yeah, yeah, especially after having looked so intimately at <clears throat> like what Cassian was doing in the first three episodes. Yeah, this is a lot yeah. more jumping around from subject to subject to subject to subject to subject than we've been getting. Yeah, and, and I mean one... we're not doing the flashbacks anymore. Also, yeah. So it's it's yeah. these these three episodes are very different from the first three episodes. They are also uh in a really interesting thing. They are a different writer, um, and every Andor three parter has a different writer, and I think that's very cool. Yeah. Even though it's all clearly under Tony Gilroy's like overarching direction and storytelling, it was fun to see somebody else take a stab at essentially the the Aldani story. I think it was a perfect the Aldani story was easily the star here. We're yeah. Gonna get to that. Um, I did want to say one thing about ISB, which was fun seeing the difference between them and the other ISB agent we have met being Agent Callus, who is a field agent. And so I thought it was really interesting to see like several levels up the chain. Dedra Mero does not go out into the field, does not have a gun or armor or command stormtroopers. In fact, they note that they're having trouble getting past military bureaucracy to get any assets. An interesting thing in the context of rebels. Mm -hmm. But... uh because we because we don't know exactly when uh, well that's not true by next episode i will know exactly when rebel starts <laughs> lol <laughs> and, and i'm excited to discuss that but we're definitely seeing some things yeah. that are having galactic impacts yeah i mean this. like this very clearly does not take place after the end of season one of rebels because we would definitely know because yeah uh, as we know when ahsoka comes on the ladder this is the first moment that at the end of season one that the rebels of any size have come together yep uh, they broke true. their protocol um and we can see how strict that kind of secrecy is in these episodes with the aldani plot and also just like how luthan and mon mothma are having like they 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 can't be seen together in any meaningful capacity besides her going to his shop yeah they can't even it's clear that they can't even like communicate with each other aside from face to face no because otherwise she wouldn't even go there that much. I mean, she's got, you know, a new driver who's monitoring everywhere she goes for the ISB. Probably people watching her mail. Probably, you know, as we know, yeah, bank it felt tellers. very, so, you know, it, it felt is. very Cold War. A yeah. lot of this has felt very post-World War II from the look to the the sort of paranoid vibe. And that's an interesting thing, given the era of Star yeah. Wars we're about to get to which where George Lucas was inspired in large part to base the empire on Nixon's America during the Vietnam War. So it, just like theme wise, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here that I'm I'm super excited is sort of back in Star Wars. Uh, a lot of content you haven't seen, Andy, has been a little more straightforward recently. And uh, while that's fine and Star Wars is mostly shooty, shooty, bang, bang, fun space stuff, I really love the depth that Andor is allowed to have. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, especially because I, I don't find action as compelling when it is live action, to be honest. I find animated action much more compelling and interesting to watch. I think purely just because 
they can do weird stuff with animation that you can't really do with. Yeah. Well, and even with CG now, you're still limited by what you can do with a camera. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in in Clone Wars and Rebels, they can do whatever the fuck they want with yeah. the camera. Exactly. I always think like, you know, Lakitu is just sitting there on his cloud with the camera on his fishing pole. <laughs> oh, no, the camera drove off the track. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like it's an apt metaphor, though. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you, Andy. Honestly, I have more patience for action in. Uh, live action and i i think uh george lucas and the directors he hired uh like on the original trilogy create compelling action like and i i like the prequels version of it um i think it was fairly innovative for the time but i agree that if i'm gonna watch a battle story i'd rather it be clone wars (laughs) or rebels yeah yeah and and i honestly just think that shows and episodes where it is only battle You really have to, like, so much writing has to go into it to really make it good, especially if it's live action. I think when a whole episode is taken up by action, it can it can get bland. But the nice thing about Andor is that when it does have an episode like that, which I think it's really only had like this past episode where it was the heist. Yeah, the eye is the only one I'd call like an, an action-packed episode, but because it is effectively a heist, it's different from a battle. It's not yeah. a war battle. It's and not so, shooty shooty bang bang. It yeah. is. It, it's, it is. It's tense. really interesting. It is, That's you know, very intimate tense. character work sneaking well, into the base. It's yeah. It's had two full episodes, so like almost like a full hour of combined screen time for the heist crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Presumably, a lot of folks, and I mean, a lot of them fucking croak. There are people who we knew were going to die. Like, th- th- this was no in no way going to be a successful they all get out alive mission. And hey, I'm hopeful. I was always hopeful. For a second, they <laughs> got me. They got me when, when like, uh, it was going off. When they were, when they got on the ship, I was like, oh, my yeah. God, wait. And then the dude k- showed up. They're not going to but- kill. They're not going to kill Nemec. He was so toast. Oh, he yeah. looked. He was giving off such "I die here" vibes. And then they let him get away. And then they killed him in a real, like, not stupid, but like in the universe, stupid way. Yeah. Like they did. He died for nothing. No, that was a shot. That, that I mean, like the death was not sh- shock value, but or just shock value. But that moment was shock. Yeah, it was um, incredibly effectively used shock. Like I res- I respect you, Tony Gilroy, but I also hate you. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's let's so we're effectively talking about the Aldani plot. Like I yes. feel like we, let's officially move over because there's so much more to yeah. say about that than all the other plots. Um, yeah. Wow. So I think first I kind of want to talk about some of the characters that are a part of the Aldani crew. Yeah. Um, oh wait, let's actually let's talk about luthan real quick yes sure 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 yeah and then move over to aldani because yeah. like It'll while, be Aldon, while, while luthan touches both he's had still has his yeah. own stuff so um you know luthan he has that scene with and he has that really really cool scene with cassian at the beginning where he's you know pushing cassian to say yes to the aldani stuff yeah yes, which is just incredible the two of them tell, yeah really so good so good together as you a, can tell like, why he's partners. the rebel recruitment guy like you can mm-hmm. tell how he he even like even for Skeen, you can tell how he got him onto the mission. Yeah. Um, and there's a I've seen a popular fan theory, and I want to see y'all's opinions on this. Do y'all think Vel is Luthen's daughter? 
Oh, 100%. I don't know. I the, the way they their conversation went and the way they continually cut back to Luthen being worried about her on Coruscant. I know she's the team leader, but like just the he had the line where it was like, look at me while I'm talking to you or something. I was like, that's he's got to be her dad or at mm-hmm. least at the very least they have some history. His very cool assistant confirms that when saying Vel's the only one who could be traced back. Yeah. Um. So I. I believe the fan theory, uh, and I think that makes it a little more interesting given that Luthen expects this to be a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just, I think a lot of, and this sort of ties back into Mon Mothma, I think a lot of this, and Cassian, a lot of the show is going to deal with what you're willing to sacrifice for the greater good, in this case, the rebellion. And... I think we're going to see it affect every major character. It's going to, we're going to see what Cassian's willing to give, what Luthen, Mon Mothma, what Val, what all of them are eventually willing to give up. And I think for a lot of them, it's going to be their lives. I do, I do not see Luthen making it out of this series. No. He might make it to season two. Yeah, he might, he might do the whole thing. But like him, Val, I would say Mon Mothma, except I know she's in. <laughs> I know she was. I know she's in further stuff. But like they all have doomed vibes. Yeah. In a good way, like in a in a oh, and Cassian doesn't. He's we don't know what he's willing to sacrifice for the rebellion yet, aside from Skeen's life. But uh, I'm really interested in what they're gonna do with him. Post this sort of experience. Yeah. Um, Andy, do you like Clea, his assistant? Yeah, I think she's fine. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't she doesn't stand out to me at all, really. Yeah, she was just like whatever. I just wanted like, to mention her, but yeah, yeah, like she was cool, I guess. She literally had like two lines. True, she has yeah, more. She stuff gets later, she so. gets more stuff, but she's even in this shown to be like she's tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. you can tell that. And, and uh, an interesting, I and think I like, you know, that's a good moment where, oh, I'm so sorry. They have that moment where, where kind of rehearsed where she pulls away to look at other stuff, you know, like Clea and Luthen are pretty in sync about how they run their shop and how they are able to talk, use the shop as a front for talking to people. Yep. Like I, on, Wyatt. No, I, I, I agree. I, I liked a lot of Star Wars and especially I think Rebels season one was an example of this is just an adventure. So sometimes you gloss over like, would this work in real life? No, it doesn't need to. It's a it's a fun space story. I like that Andor is like, okay, but how do you run a rebellion? Well, you run an inf- you run an informants thing out of a front. And how do you pull off a heist? You drill for weeks. Like uh, it, it was. I don't know. It was like almost uncomfortably military the way that the heist prep was in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in any Star Wars content. The Aldani thing is, I think, going to stick with me for a long time. Just this plot line and this storytelling because of how different it was and yet how seamlessly it matches everything we've been talking about with Rebels. Mm-hmm. With the, with just like the, with what drives the characters, what they're fighting for, the way the Empire is depicted. It's, it's good. It's good shit. It's good shit. Yeah. True. So um, true. So yeah, now we can officially, officially get into Aldani. Right. Yeah. So let's, yeah, I, I want to talk about the Aldani crew. 
Fable. Yep. So we've got Skeen, who is sort of like, uh, <laughs> you know. He's the asshole. Yeah, yeah, he's the asshole, essentially. Every crew's got one. He's the asshole who also is a softie for the kid, which is like, oh, wow, I've never seen that trope before. Um, he So then there's Nemec, who's the kid, who's like, oh, I love the rebellion, and I believe in it. And he's like writing his little manifesto. <laughs> I, I've escaped from the 2012 Les Mis movie. I literally... <laughs> I literally, that's so funny because I was like, so yeah, you know, just sci-fi. Vive la France! <laughs> Which is funny because we had, we've got fucking serial car and Javert. Like we did Les Mis yeah. last time. <laughs> Why are they not singing? They might as instead well of, be singing. Instead of all I did was steal some bread, Cassian's like, yeah, all I did was two murders. That's nothing. Two murders. They were self-defense, I will say. Yeah. Yes. No, uh, I... But it is still Castian was in a rough situation. He yeah. do be killing. And he do be killing, as we've seen in these next couple yep. episodes. Um, then we've got... We got uh, Tamarin, the former stormtrooper. Yes. Um, who, like, not gonna lie, was it was giving, like, Walking Dead. Like, they give you enough so that you kind of care about this character, but not so much that killing him is, like, plot problematic. Um, so I kind of knew that he was toast. Like, I knew when we yeah. met this character, I was like, yeah, this this bitch is the one that's gonna die. I yeah. was I didn't think all of them were going to die, and it was pretty much all of them that did die. Um, well, Cinta... Cassian. That's Cinta. it. Is Cinta dead? No, nope. she is. She, as of now, she is like chilling. Cinta walks out of the command center in her Imperial officer uniform in the last eye montage. So she's oh, confirmed to okay. have escaped. I feel it like her not... plan is to like get into the crowd of Donnie people and I hit my mic there. Sorry. I feel like her plan is to like get into the crowd of Donnie people. Sounded like the gong then... guy from last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. <laughs> I'll wait. Are you the time grappler? That's um, his name. Oh, really? It's so cool. He is the time grappler. Wow, that's a very Rick and Morty kind of um <laughs> name. Wow. Um, I feel like Senta uh got into the crowd of all dying people, put back on her pilgrim uh clothes and escaped that way. Um a question i have regarding cinta is do you think she killed the hostages i hope so that was a discussion on twitter was did she kill that imperial guy's family i don't think so i well actually i lied i do think so i wonder if she'd have killed the kid well so yeah, i, I she, she is described as tough as nails and her yep. whole family got killed by the empire yeah. i think they intend i don't think they're ever going to tell us but I think it was intentionally left ambiguous. Like it, it, it's it's meant to imply it. I think that honestly might have been the line wow. where the Lucasfilm folks were like, "Yeah, we can't put that on Disney Plus." But also, I mean, like that works for her character to have done it. Yep. So, yeah. My thing is that she, when you think about it, it's like you have to cover your. Bases. Like you have to cover your tracks. Yeah. The and that was her job. Host, yeah, that was her job. It 
So, like, I think she did kill the hostages. Yeah. Because... And I think it was basically, we're not telling Nemec we're doing that. And, like, yeah. the Nemecs of the world. Nemec but... gets to still be an optimist for another two hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. a, thing, a thing I uh, wanted to ask is, did you notice that Vel and Cinta were together? Yeah, I was just about to okay. say that. Because, be yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious, I, I thought. But he literally, I, I loved that Andor was kind of, like, crushing on Cinta. Yeah. And then Skeen was like, uh, she's sharing her blanket. And I'm like, yeah. And it she's clearly a It cuts to an incredibly serious Vel. Yeah. Like, Vel, <laughs> like as much as Cinta is, don't fuck with her. I think they're, they're, they're a don't fuck with, her, with each other couple. Like, I wouldn't mess with either of them. Yeah. Yeah, I really like them. I thought that they were like very I I wish that them being a couple was more explicit, but I also think it was appropriate and if since Cinta is alive and so is Val, I would I think that when there is a reunion, a kiss would be appropriate. Um yep. I that is sort of what I'm gunning for. Yeah. Uh, well, and Tony Gilroy has already been demonstrated to not give a fuck. Just in this whole, like, he wrote a anti-corporate, anti-like, this all this, like, sort of fairly radical underpinning themes of this series and for Lucasfilm, for Disney, and yeah. they let him do it. So I don't think whatever makes the Lucasfilm higher-ups uncomfortable with gay content is going to stop him from being like, fuck it, the space lesbians are going to kiss, and you're just going to have to deal with it. He's rocking with lesbians. Very glad that the lesbians were the only ones besides Cassian to make it out of the live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and obviously Vel was the leader, and yeah. but I, I think it was also that the they were the least expendable. Yeah, like they were yeah. they were designed to survive. Yeah. I think they would have liked Nemec to survive, but uh, because nope. No, I, really I just mean in universe. That he would make it out paralyzed. Like, like Bell would like Nemec to survive. Little, yeah. yeah. And, but like story wise, obviously he was he was so yeah. Bad. I was no. like he has to in the die. way that they they kill Gavroche. It's the same thing. Have you guys seen um the show? It is. It's he literally. Can, I actually want to talk about how he's Gavroche in a second. But also, have you guys seen the show? Oh, I want to say it's like. Oh man, I can't even remember what it is. Oh, Jujutsu Kaisen? No. There's a character in Jujutsu Kaisen who is introduced essentially to die. And it's like this character who is like dealing with all this stuff and the main character meets him and they get along and they're like very close. Um, even if it's only for like a brief period of time, like they only know each other for a few days. But that character dying is like the catalyst for the main character in like, completely changing and becoming like very proactive in bettering himself and fighting evil. And it's like that. So, so that character's name is Junpei. And I'm like that Nemec is Andor's Junpei where it's Absolutely. like Nemec has Nemec had to die in order for Andor to kind of be like, Oh shit, like this sucks. And I have to do something about it. Um, and I, but I think it's really good. I think it's very like tropey when they do shit like this, and it's kind of like okay, well, stupid. But I think Nemec was such a good character because, in the sort of same way as Gavroche, is like he represents the rebellion itself. Like, and Gavroche, if you're familiar with the show, Les Mis, 
he sings a song called Little People. And the song he's talking about, like, he, I don't know. He's doing something where he's going to, like, go to the other side to, like, steal ammunition in this war. He's going to get some war. bullets from the dead yeah. bodies. And uh, everyone's like, no. And he's like, no, I'm a little, little people can do more than you think they can. And he weirdly talks in like a British accent, even though they're in France. But that's beside the point. Um, there's fucking electric in the car. <laughs> it like kills there's a, me. There's many problems. <laughs> there's many problems with Lamez. Uh But he goes and it's like this really beautiful song that is kind of a metaphor for the rebellion itself of like, yeah, sure. It might not seem like something big, but in the end, like, they can do a lot. Like, when people stand up and fight for what is right, a lot can be done. But ultimately, Gavroche dies. He gets shot in the middle of his fucking song. He gets shot, and it it is so tragic. And Gavroche is always depicted as, like, a a child, like, younger than Nemec. Like, he's usually, like, a... Like, the kid who plays Dustin in Stranger Things was Gavroche... On yes. Broadway. Yes. Like literally like an 11 year old. Before he was in Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah. Like a little, little kid, which is always weird to me. So I'm like, isn't he supposed to be like a student? But whatever. I'll, I'll fucking care. Uh, <laughs> this is not a lame podcast, but. Well, he's actually Madame and Monsieur Tenadier's, um bastard. Well, not bastard, but like he's their son. Oh, OK. That actually makes sense. I have read the book. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you cannot ever under any circumstances get me to read that book. No, I oh had my to gosh. read it for high school. Like that's the only reason I read it. <laughs> Fair enough. There's like I did. I read the Iliad for high school, like legitimately every line of it. So like I don't have a moral high ground here. Yeah, I mean like yeah. this is just you know our, our schools had us read different things. Um, uh, but similarly lengthy and boring. <laughs> boring. Yeah. But but so the the moral though is is that it's like. Yes, absolutely. Like the rebellion is is yeah, it might seem small, it might seem hopeless, but you can accomplish great things. Like little people really do got some bite, but at what cost? Well, like you are I, you are going hurt. to yeah, it, and it, and it's honestly like at the end of it all, are you even going to be the same person who began it? You know, when you think about it, it's like the rebellion is going to turn into something not evil. But in order to win a war against the Empire, you are going to have to do some horrible things like Cinta killing a child. And and it's like at the end of the day, like at what cost? And uh, so, yeah, Nemec died and that's sad, but that was inevitable. But it's sort of like Nemec is not the first child to die at the hands of the Empire and and or at the hands of the rebellion. And he certainly won't be the last. And it's sad. Yep. It's a sad reality that. Even when fighting a war for justice, like both sides will commit atrocities. Yeah. Um, well, and, the, and yeah. the thing is, is that does it even that even so it doesn't mean that the rebellion isn't like right in these like they should stand up and fight the empire because the empire is awful. Like, and that's sort of Nemec's point. And I think he makes some very good and very well written points in his like arguments when he's trying when he's info dumping on Cassian about his manifesto. Yeah. Um, the Imperial Thought Machine is a very fun line um, that I thought was like, it, I don't know, this this series feels incredibly contemporary to me. Yes. Like, I can't separate what I'm hearing from Nemec from current political stuff. And I don't think you're supposed to. But uh, I character wise, you think we're supposed to No. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying is that I, I, I think this is I think this is an there is an intended message 
with yeah. this series. There's no, there's some plot things that are up into interpretation, but the themes and message are not. Yeah. Um, but political. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's it's. They haven't named a character. They didn't name the Imperial Commandant Mitch McConnell like Newt Gunray, but like, yeah, he, it's almost that unsubtle. But I really liked the way that Nemec, so Cassian affected Nemec and Nemec affected Cassian. Because I really like the bit where Nemec got so upset about Cassian working for money that he had to go write a new part of his manifesto <laughs> instead of sleeping. Yeah. And while that was insanely adorable, I love because it's like basically he wrote part of his manifesto to justify why he likes Cassian. He was Hamilton. Yeah. But he's also he's absolutely Hamilton. He but he's like he's right, too, because yeah. like we've seen that in Rebels. The mercenaries play a vital role in the rebellion. Think of Visago. Mm -hmm. Visago gets the rebels intel they couldn't have. They help those Wookiees. They they blow up a kyber crystal. So and they wouldn't be able to do that without Visago, like paying Visago for it and taking paying jobs for fuel. So I think it was an interesting thing to to illustrate something that will be very important for the rebellion to learn from Nemec. And they already have, basically, because Luthen's Luthen hired Cassian for this. They know mercenaries are important, but it is he's right. And I like it was just a that was one of the scenes that I think is going to stick with me is that his just like apologetic. Sorry, I got mad. I, I wrote about it and mercenaries are fine now. I just, I, I really like Nemec. I would give anything to read his manifesto. Um, I really enjoyed the time we spent with that character. And I think overall it was definitely something that Andor needed. Like I, above all else, like I feel so like weirdly passionate about this character i'm like this this was this was he was perfect like yeah. he served his purpose extremely well so did skeen i feel like a character who i was not i did not like his scenes with andor early but yeah i agree his last scene to me justified the amount of time we spent with him because he's just abrasive and a dickhead and i don't like Spending time with dickheads, whether they be real or on my TV screen. So I'm I'm often not a huge I don't have a whole lot of patience for that type of content. But the fact that Cassian and him sort of realize that whether it's truth or lie, they are very similar. Like Cassian looks for his sister. Maybe Skeen does this to avenge his brother. Cassian is incredibly self-destructive. So is Skeen. They're they're very much similar people. Except that when given the chance to like he could he he could just be incredibly rich if Cassian really was in it for all the money and accumulating money, he could have gone off with Cass with Skeen. Instead, he shoots him dead, gives the rebellion the help that they need, and like only takes his cut. He doesn't even try to extort Vel. Like I, I that to me really validated a lot of the skein content earlier on because he got a lot of development for a real dickhead that we didn't see for Tamarin or even uh Lieutenant Gorn. Certainly not Cinta, I feel like got the least amount of screen time uh for character, but I think that was in I think honestly, looking back now, it's cause she was gonna survive. We we had yeah. more time with her. 
I also think that there are, obviously you guys have seen more episodes than I have, but I think there are going to be things revealed about Cinta and the nature of her relationship with Val and sort of who she is down yeah. the line. And I think that yeah. it remaining a mystery. The other thing is like her, her and Val's role was very secretive. Like yeah. they didn't tell, they didn't tell, um, we had pretty Cassian much, what they were doing. We had yeah. strict Cassian point of view, which I really yeah. liked. Yeah, um, and I mean, it harkens back to uh, or reminded me of in Rebel season one when you know they couldn't tell anyone about Fulcrum because you know he wouldn't. No, yeah, no one. Would it was know. just a. Um, so it really was just clearly, a better version of what they were trying to get at in Out of the Past, yeah, like Out of the Darkness. Yes, Out of the Past is something else. There's another episode called that, but I can't remember where it is. Um, but yeah. Uh, and you very much, I found myself thinking about that. I found myself em empathizing a lot more with Sabine in that moment. Um, yeah. Now that we have it from that side, from strictly from Cassian. Yeah. Because he clearly I, doesn't trust anyone. He is, you know, at least at the very beginning, he's just in there for the money. And and in there for the money to specifically like to help. He is like, he doesn't just want to run though, I feel like. Like he, I have to think he'd go back for Bix and his mom and Bimo. Like uh, there's, there's. Yeah. There's just I, I think there's an, a, a good. I think they did a good job sort of playing with the just I'm on the team for the money guy in the heist movie um, and then revealing that to be Skeen. Like when he was he was he was the the asshole, the 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 hard ass, the like he's going to get the job done. And then it turns out, no, he was the money guy the whole time. Um, A thing I did want to say while we were talking about Rebels is that I enjoyed contrasting Vel and Hera as the team leaders because I don't think Vel is a very good Hera in that I don't think she's a natural leader at all I agree I, I think she she really uh, I, I think she was a nepotism hire because <laughs> I think she's Luth Luthan's daughter and that's why she was team leader but I really enjoyed watching her struggle to hold the team together because it just it illustrated how fragile the rebellion was at that point where Vel not being a natural leader could sink all the future of the rebellion. Well, I was thinking about this and I feel like she would be more comfortable and I feel like in sort of like a, 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 any other setting, she would have been in Cassian's position sort of as the silent, stoic like type and then occasionally being like, I'm not doing that because you're an idiot. Yeah. Which is sort of what Cassian does. I like. I think that she would be more comfortable in that role than being a leader. Abs I absolutely got that vibe. And I really, really loved that because I think as an actor, that is such a challenge of like when you are playing a leader, it's like either because she, she also wasn't like atrociously bad. No, I think she that just, that's the thing. They just didn't really want to listen to her. And she she felt awkward. Like I could yeah. feel that she was scared and that she her being scared kept coming out as her being like, I'm going to try and get control over this. And then not yep. knowing how, because she's so scared and not yeah. confident. Her really herself. freaking out before, like when Sinta's like, take the shot, call it, call it yep. was very like, I don't know, human. Yes, yes. And it made me like her so much. I was actually like not invested in this character up until that fucking moment. And I was like, oh, that that is who she is. And I loved it because I'm so sick of stories that 
where where people are righteous i guess and people because this it's so easy to write a rebellion story where everyone feels like we're doing the right thing and this is this is righteous and yeah we're scared but i love that this was a this was a story of a bunch of people freaking the fuck out yeah i and i'm i don't want to like i don't think you're dumping on rebels because rebels does that but i i I think rebels rebels and and or are in such different stratospheres of telling essentially the same story. Yes. And I and also because like I I like there being because Hera is essentially Rebels's Nemec. She's not yes. Vel. So and I she just happens to be the leader. And that I think is good. And I like also that Nemec and or's Nemec, actual Nemec, wasn't the leader. The idealist wasn't the leader. The leader was just who was thrust with the job. I, I think the reason why Rebels, I mean, apart, obviously, apart from being a children's show, the reason why the Rebels crew feel so different is because they worked together before they were Rebels. But for like, yeah, sure, they yeah. would fuck over the Empire when they could, but they, their jobs and shit were not about hurting the Empire. Their jobs were about getting what they needed to survive. They were almost like not bounty hunters, but bounty hunters, you know? Like, I don't know yeah. how to explain that, but like sort there's of a, like freelance. There's a bit that you haven't seen, but is in the very next episode of Rebels where Kanan essentially dro- describes their job as essentially being Robin Hood. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is not a spoiler because he's just talking about what they used to do. But I, it was a specific line that I was like, yeah, that he he like says we rob from the Empire and give to the needy. But it wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't like we're 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 doing that to th- overthrow the government it's like nah we we do this because we're going to survive and if we have any extra we give it to the people yes no and we absolutely we see that we see that in the very first fucking episode yep. where they bring the food to those people but they also make like a significant <laughs> profit and ezra's like do i do i have a conscience do i have a conscience? which is which is Am exactly what's happening to cassian as yes. he's like wait do i do i do i like feel bad about this poor kid who just died do i need to read his manifesto but but because of that, because the ghost crew has worked together and they also are not doing very ambitious missions, you know, their no, missions are not one. nearly as ambitious as this. Yeah, except for the one. And so it's like like they do little things here and there that are like, oh, no, the Empire but it's like not actually like anything that's that big of a deal that can't be like, you know, Petty thievery, essentially. Well, that's the thing is that there. I, I like about Aldani and Luthen's plan is that this is kind of the petty thievery plan, except it has to be perfect because they're stealing millions of fucking dollars. Like yes. they're they're running the bank robbery plan on the biggest bank in the sector. Yeah, and I love that, and I do love that. Like it does work. They got the money. Like, that's very I, I I kind of anticipated them failing. And even though a lot of the team died, Vel has the ship with most of the money. I do also like we're, we're I know we're running a little we'll run a little long, but I did really one of the things I enjoyed about this and also the last arc of Andor is how vividly the planet we were on was was fleshed out. Oh, 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 
Sorry, you finished what you were saying, but yes, 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 Wyatt. Correct. Absolutely. Aldani and Ferrix are two of my favorite recent Star Wars planets because they took time and effort in the storytelling, even just like behind the, just in the little stuff, but showing the amount of effort into the culture where it really felt real, even though like at some point I kind of wish they were aliens because it's Star Wars, but I know why they're not doing it. But like the the Aldani people conflict with the Empire and the way the Empire is screwing them over was so fascinating. And then the intercutting of the eye with the Aldani people sort of defiantly expressing their culture. Yes, yes. With that is sorry. Go on. Yeah. That no, just just with with the heist crew screaming overhead in their ship like the yeah. intercutting of all of that was perfect. Yeah, I love um, One Piece also does this where like the big pivotal moment of the arc is happening during a local festival. So like, you know, it's and then it cuts back and forth between shit going down over where it's going down and then just like, you know, dancing and um, celebration and stuff and just both of those things just bouncing off of each other really really helped to rocket up tension for me in this um, well it just and how yeah. clearly they illustrated that this was brave for the people that showed up yeah. to, mm-hmm. to like that they were in real danger the whole time even though the empire is like trying not to start an incident but they are prepared to shoot them all if things happen yeah and uh, and and we see that they're like they're trying to do to end this festival they're trying they're going to knock down the sacred site and build a base like they're going to do all this we know that's going to happen and so seeing what maybe in universe is the last version of this celebration cut with the rebels the aldani heist crew sticking it to the empire in in large part because of the Donnie, because we see that the origin point for this heist was Lieutenant Gorn, like being like, fuck, I'm done with the Empire. And so he becomes their in and gives them even a chance to do any of this. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even talked about. Luke. Hold on. Andy, you've been trying to talk. For I, I've, I have so much to say, and it also has to do with Lieutenant Gorn. So I 100 percent I'm going there, yeah. too, Calvin. Okay, I got good. you. I got you because I was like, I can't believe we haven't talked about this fucking. I love Lieutenant Gorn. The Aldani people, they really just popped the fuck off with them. Because, okay, so first of all, I think that it is so cool to have, like, underscoring all of this is this, like, native group of people who are trying to stay true to their customs amidst an empire. And an empire exists to essentially eradicate culture. That's always what I think of when I think of an empire is is they are coming in, they are colonizing, and they are forcing you to assimilate to them. Either that, or they're just straight up bulldozing over you, which is what we see more often in the Empire. The Aldani people, they're trying so hard to hang on to their culture, to hang on to their beliefs. But the Empire has done, I mean, uh, the moment where they're like, yeah, but we set up, you know, essentially like bars and shit, like little, little stations along the way. Yeah rest stops if you will i mean i was like that that because because another subtlety hammer moment that's 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 real life that's just that's just what the american government did to indigenous americans yep 
correct. And I was just like, that was to see that like reflected in this, I think is so much more of like why we need to be fighting this and why we need to why <laughs> over and over again. It's like, man, people, how do you watch Andor and not want to like radicalize against the government? <laughs> You know, that's why um, I still can't believe I load up Disney Plus to watch it. Like, I can't uh, believe they let this get made. This is so the anti-corporate stuff with Nemec about the gear and like our reliance on imperial tech is very like interesting. It's just such a. I don't know. It's. I know it, actual George Lucas made most of Star Wars, but I don't think Star Wars has ever been this left wing. And it's just so crazy because it's like Disney is such a disgusting company. Like they they truly they they have not and I don't mean this in terms of like the creative aspect of it. No. Any company that big is bad. It is bad. It's just bad. And so yeah, it, it I also am very surprised. Yeah. But I I Standard really, Oil, Amazon, yep. like over the years it's it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't it's not like the, the old studio system in Hollywood is all bad. All bad. But it's just insane to see the story of these native people who are coming, yes, risking their lives for their to hang on to their culture, to hang on to their beliefs. And then on top of that, I mean, Lieutenant Gorn's motivation is that he fell in love. He fell in love with uh, uh, they're called the uh, they're called Donnie people. Yeah, the Donnie. Yeah, so he, yeah. he somebody fell in calls love. them the all Donnies once and then it threw me off for the rest of the time. But they're, yeah. they're referred to. Pretty universally as the Donnie. The Donnie, yeah. And and so he he fell in love with this girl. He learned to speak their language. He like clearly has a good understanding of their customs and like really ha- seems to have a lot of respect for the Donnie people. And having that motivation, having that being like these these people deserve better. I don't know. I just thought that that was so cool and so like i don't know just like fuck the empire you know yeah really sucked when he died pointlessly like his death shocked yeah. me he got yeah. he just he's bang shot in the middle and of the crossfire and then they went ahead i didn't even realize that it had happened i was like wait where's lieutenant gorn and i was like oh shit he must have died yeah <clears throat> i i think we rewound yeah. to check um funny thing just about his name because uh, we we mentioned it earlier Gorn is the name of the lizard men in Star Trek that just are like the <laughs> shitty rubber lizard guys from the original series. So that was the only aspect of his character that I did not like. As I was like, you're a very compelling, well-written portrait of like a what what makes a person who, who is in the Empire turn against the Empire. And yet you just make me think of silly space lizards. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe that they fucking killed two black men though simult like like side by side i was like disney are you fucking for real i was like guys well, this is not that's this always not been very... the problem with their so <laughs> in new star wars they've been way better about casting people of color but star wars really likes to kill people yeah so like it's a thing where like i'm not trying to like make excuses but i've noticed that it's like well that character's role in the story was always to die. Yeah. Like, and well, that's so, how I felt about the other guy, the stormtrooper guy. I was like, he's yeah. definitely fucking dead. Yeah. Tamar, Tamarin was never going to make it. Nemec was never going to make it. 
Um, I think Gorn has a 50-50 chance in stories like these. Um, so it's like, do we get a diverse cast on a suicide mission? To like, or do we cast all white guys and then we have a not diverse cast and then a bunch of them die? Like it's a it's sort of a catch-22, I've always found. Yeah. I think that personally, like I so one of my favorite shows for so long was The Walking Dead. And it actually got to a point where I was like, I literally like cannot stand this anymore. Um, I actually have recently been like, maybe I'll go back, but, mm. but a big issue was like, yeah, they're a show about zombies. People die literally all the time, but, and it was like, yeah, they had a relatively diverse cast in, uh, the walking dead, especially in the later seasons, but they just like continuously kept killing the people of color. And it was just like, bro, yeah. broski, but honestly, no, I think it's fine. I don't I don't think that it was most likely intentional, but I do think it was kind of a missed opportunity to kill Lieutenant Gorn. I think that he could have had a much more like juicier death, you know? Yeah. Well, but the deaths in this were so intentionally quick. Well, and like and nothing like just yeah. boom and it was over with him and Namek specifically because Namek, they get you and like, he's crushed by <laughs> he's literally crushed by capitalism. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I think honestly I would be less kind to it if if Cassian does not shoot Skeen dead. Oh, that was just such a baller moment. Like I, I think that. if it, I because I, I I think that really se- cemented to me like okay <laughs> everyone's dead and and like everyone <laughs> the morally correct guy died the asshole died we're gonna call the galactic scales even. But uh, also music has been so good. I just want to say I'm always the I always bring up the music. This this show's used violins real to an incredible effect. Um, the eye sequence was visually just on another level. Oh, yeah. Andy, did you get to watch it on your big TV in your living room? Mm-hmm. OK, good. Yeah, good. we did as well. Yeah. It was awesome. A thing I think Calvin, you've read Lost Stars, right? Yeah. Did you oh, see the tweet that was like about. Thane used to his only assignment on backwater planets was to buzz the locals in his TIE fighter. So that was, you know, Thane Tyrell up there in that TIE fighter or, you know, or quote unquote Thane Tyrell. But also just like Tyrell type people. Um, People talked about. Sorry, can I just finish this? Yeah. Uh, It's just uh, a thing that I'm going to bring up throughout the era, I think, is that the when Star Wars makes Imperial iconography terrifying rather than just like cool looking or the bumbling villains. TIE fighters are a dime a dozen. They get blown up by the ghost all the time. But one TIE fighter was enough to destroy the whole mission if it saw them, not shot them, not like and and the sound design of the the horrible, iconic TIE fighter noise as it comes across was really good. What are you going to say, Calvin? I think that Thane Kyrell and Lieutenant Gorn should go get lunch and talk about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and talk about service to the empire and uh, uh very interesting customs of their loved ones yeah too bad we can't let andy read that because it, it speed runs the original trilogy yeah but one uh, uh even calvin is more liberal with recommending star wars books than i am but i would recommend lost stars once we had it well once we get through the original trilogy yep as you have just said andy read leia princess of alderaan that one's a good one um i yeah. feel done I feel I like think, I've I said yeah. so much. Yeah, and, no, this yeah. I having seen now, I, I've seen I've seen seven of the eight episodes that are out. We've talked yeah. about six now. Yeah. Uh, I think that it for right now, what will stick with me from Andor 
is the Aldani stuff, which is funny because after three episodes, I was like, I'm so happy with this Ferrix storyline and the way it, the themes about rebellion. But then they just, they just did it better. Yeah. Over the next three weeks. They're getting bigger and bigger. There was no Todd. It was great. Oh my God. Yeah, but we had Perrin. We had Perrin. But honestly, I I know it it just, I hate him too, but every time they cut back to serial Karn suffering in his, in his childhood bedroom with his clone, with his clone trooper action figures, like, it was, it was, I just started cackling I every time. I love that we're just changing the names of the men that we hate in this series. <laughs> For, um, yeah, so next time on First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, we will be just watching season one, episode seven, announcement. So we're going to do just like a fun little just deep dive into that and, you know, check in on, you, you know. I'm going to break out the Pepe Silvia board. Yep. I, that's, that's my tease for the next oh, time. Yeah. So I'm going to break out. I'm, I've connected the two dots. <laughs> you haven't connected shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then it'll be fun. May the force be with you. Yeah. Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>